everyone. Merry Christmas. Good to see you guys. Yeah. uh, The snow came just in time, right, for Christmas. I thought for sure we weren't going to have any. Um, Well, my name is Jack. I'm one of the pastors here. And yeah, thanks for spending your Christmas with us. Um, We're really excited for you to be here. And just like Rob said, if you're a guest with us, um, just hope you really enjoy your evening with us. Um, So as you know, you know, we're gathered here tonight. And um, really for weeks and even months, people have been anticipating this huge event. It's really something you could say a a potentially life-changing event. And I think it goes without saying, it's pretty obvious what event I'm talking about, right? Star Wars. Someone got it. Nice. Okay, not really. Uh, You get a gold star, though, for guessing Star Wars. So, um, just kidding. Sorry if you're one of the people who's sick of hearing about Star Wars and you've had that song stuck in your head for weeks and you can't get it out. Um, But here's the thing about Star Wars, right, is there has been a lot of anticipation. There's a ton of buzz around Star Wars, and it's going to continue to be one of the most famous movies of all time. Um, But in the end, uh, it's just a story, right? Like, we might really enjoy it. We think it's a good story or it's fun to escape into the story. But in the end, it is just a story. And so that's all the more reason why I'm excited for the story that we are gathered here for tonight is because... It isn't just a story. This, this story is real. It's, it's an event that actually happened. It's not something that just came from someone's imagination. And so um, as we gather to, to celebrate Christmas tonight, I think it's fitting for us to, to start by just simply listening to the Christmas story. But the one danger with the Christmas story is if we've heard it multiple years in a row, it can be easy to kind of forget about how significant this story is. And it can be kind of stale or just kind of become familiar to us. And then we kind of quickly move past it and have dinner and open presents and everything like that. And so my prayer for us tonight is that it wouldn't become too familiar or too casual to us when we hear this story. But that we would hear it and see it for what it is. That it was a miracle that happened. It was one of the greatest moments in human history where God... He stepped into the world, and he stepped into human flesh, and he he became a human. That's really amazing uh, when you think about it. And so uh, I've asked Kara and Daniel to come up here and and to read this story to us, but I want us to read it with fresh eyes. And so she's going to read a paraphrased version from uh, Luke chapters 1 and 2 about that very first Christmas. And uh, as she reads, I'd encourage you to listen Maybe even if you want, you could close your eyes and listen as if you've never heard this story before. So, yeah, let's listen together. God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy, Son of God. 
And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son old as she is? Everyone called her barren, and here she is six months pregnant. Nothing, you see, is impossible with God. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in, Judea, in Judah, David's town. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood, and they had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everyone worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over. Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone that they met that the angels had said about this child, and all who heard the shepherds were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear deep within herself. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen, and it turned exactly out the way that they had been told. Thanks, Karen. Great story, and there's really a lot that we could talk about in that story. But one of the, the climactic moments in the Christmas story is when the angels gather and they're there to proclaim that the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ has, has come and he's been born. And they, they're there and they're glorifying God and they're praising him. And then they say this phrase that, that maybe you've heard before. They say, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And peace, you know, is a word we hear a lot around Christmas. We hear it in songs and we see signs at um, stores and in people's front yards. But it's one of those things that we, we hear it and see it so much, it can be easy to kind of forget about what the true meaning of peace is, what that could really mean to each of us as individuals. Uh, this verse is just one of many in the Bible that talks about how Jesus came to bring peace, among other things. Uh, we read in John, later on in his life, Jesus He's speaking to the disciples, and he talks about how he's going to leave them with peace. He says before he goes, he'll give them the gift of peace. Mentions it several times. And then on the other end, you go to the prophet Isaiah, and uh, hundreds of years before Jesus was there, he's prophesying about the coming Savior. And he says a lot of things about him and gives him several titles, but one of the titles he gives him is, is one you, you're probably familiar with. It's the Prince of Peace. And so you might ask the question, uh, if Jesus brought peace, um, then did it work? I mean, when you look around at the world, it's easy to wonder. There's all kinds of conflicts going on. War is kind of a normal thing. 
Um, our world faces all kinds of issues. And then here in the U.S., we have plenty of racial tension. We have cities divided uh, racially. Um, all kinds of divisive things. Politics are just as divisive as ever. And so it's easy to look around and, and ask, if Jesus was supposed to bring peace, then, then did he fail? And then you can reflect personally, too, and for you, when you hear the word peace, or maybe when you ask yourself, um, do I have true peace in my life, what comes to mind for you? Uh, you might think about how your life lately might be dominated by worry, and maybe as you think about your family or the future, you worry a lot. Or maybe there's uh, a relationship in your life that's, that's been strained. Maybe there's someone you haven't been talking to recently or you've gone weeks and months not talking to because of falling out. Or you might just say simply, you know, life isn't going the way that I thought that it would. That's something that definitely is a lack of peace in our lives. But you might be on the other side of the spectrum too. You might say, actually, you know, my life is going pretty well. Like things do, uh, do seem to be coming together. But really, regardless of which side of the spectrum we're on, for all of us, there is a, a peace that we crave and a peace that we can only find in Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is, is when you go back to that story that we just listened to, there's really a lot in that story that isn't very peaceful when you think about it. For starters, you have Mary uh, getting pregnant without a husband, which in that culture, especially at that time, would have been um, would have brought a ton of, of shame and humiliation for her. You could just imagine, you know, as she walks by, people whispering about her and, and looking at her, kind of staring. And you guys know how it is in a small town, right? They would have been the center of gossip, her and Joseph. And for Joseph, the, the embarrassment that would come for him, it definitely wasn't the picture that they had in mind when they thought about their engagement, right, before they got married. And then uh, when Mary's ready to give birth, things get crazy. She has to travel from Bethlehem, or from Nazareth, all the way to Bethlehem, which is somewhere around 80 miles. Uh, and so at best, they have a donkey, but it's, there's a good chance that Mary had to walk as well. Uh, my wife, Chelsea, she's pregnant with our first kid, and um, she's nine months pregnant, also known as the waddle stage. Um, she calls it the waddle stage. I would never say something like that, so she can... <laughs> But really for us, when we take the dog for a walk around the block, that's a challenge for Chelsea. 80 miles they traveled to Bethlehem. I'm thinking there couldn't have been a lot about that journey that really would have been peaceful. And then when the time comes for Jesus to be born too, it's in very non-ideal circumstances, even at that, uh, for that time period. Again, Chelsea and I, we have it pretty good. We've had plenty of showers. Thank you for all your gifts. Um, we've got all kinds of things. We've stockpiled diapers, and I know that the stockpile will vanish a lot faster than I think, but still, we're in pretty good position. The, the crib is built. The room's painted. Um, we've toured our hospital last week. It's amazing. We have all these great things. This definitely wasn't the case for Mary and Joseph. I mean, when you think about it, like just this fact alone that they weren't even in their hometown when they had their baby. Imagine the stress that comes with that. And then there's, there's no room, so they have nowhere to put the baby, Jesus, when he's born. And so they put him in an animal feeding trough, which that's what a manger is. And honestly, you know, when I think about 
how equipped our hospital is that we'll be going to and how amazing it is, I still worry about the health of my son. I can't imagine, you know, having a baby being born and then having to put him in something that farm animals have just gotten done eating out of. So bottom line, needless to say, there were plenty of things about that first Christmas that weren't exactly the definition of peace. But here's the thing about peace that I want us to remember tonight. True peace, the the kind of peace that Jesus offers us, meaningful and, and lasting peace, it's something that rises above our circumstances. So tonight, my goal is for us as we celebrate Christmas, is that we would slow down and we'd reflect on the true peace that Jesus offers to every single one of us. One theme that uh, runs throughout scripture is the idea of shalom. And shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. Maybe you've heard that word before. Um, Maybe you've heard someone say it. But shalom, it carries more than the ideas that we might typically think of when we hear peace. It's more than just an absence of conflict in my life. And so I want to share with you just three different aspects of what shalom, what real true peace is all about. So the first one is the idea of wholeness. You know, we all want to be fulfilled, and we might try to fulfill ourselves with all kinds of things or in all kinds of different ways, but really only Jesus can truly make us whole. You know, it's no surprise the story of Christmas, it doesn't end with Jesus being in the manger as a baby, but he goes on to to grow up and then he experiences life just like you and I do. That's one thing I love about Jesus is that not only does he understand us because he's God, he understands us because he experienced the highs and lows of life just like we do. And so he grows up and then he he begins to teach and he totally flips the idea of religion upside down. And he talks about how it's, it's not about what we do, it's about what he would do for us on our behalf. In John 3, 17, if if you've heard that verse before, Jesus says that he didn't come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And that might be a surprise for you to hear. You might think of God as someone who's condemning you, but Jesus is saying he came to save the world. He came not to make you feel bad and make you feel guilty, but to offer us the best life possible, to offer us the life that we were created to experience, created to have. So Jesus, he teaches about religion, and then and he turns the, the whole idea of it upside down. And then he, as he's doing this, he lives a perfect life. And then, as you've maybe heard before, he, he goes to the cross to die in our place. And he dies for us so that we can have forgiveness of our sins. Romans 5.1, he says that Jesus, because of what he did when we put our faith in him, he made it possible for us to have peace with God. But so here's the thing about salvation. I really don't want you to miss this. The thing is, salvation, it's more than just a destination. It's more than just where we go when we die. Salvation, it's also about what God does on the inside of us too, and about how God offers to do life with us. And so that's really, in that, how we're made whole and complete. That's the kind of life that that Jesus calls us into. And only Jesus can really provide that wholeness that each of us needs. 
So that's the, the first aspect of shalom. The second one is this phrase of everything as it should be. That's a, a phrase scholars often use, is that shalom means everything is as it should be. You know, the Christmas story, it's just one small piece of really the bigger story of what God is doing and how he works in the world. If you go all the way back to Genesis, you see that God created everything, and we get a picture of how God intended the world to be. But then, as we know, it doesn't stay perfect for long because sin enters the picture, and it's obvious to all of us, right, when we take a look around our world, we clearly, we live in a world that is not how it should be. And so shalom, it, it carries the idea that, that one day everything will be restored, that everything God will make it, or one day everything will be back how God wants it to be. And so it's because of what Jesus did that we know there will be a day when everything will be as it should be. And so going to the end of the Bible, you see in Revelation, he talks about how we will be with God and we won't experience the pain and suffering and the tears, but we'll be with God. It's a, a new way of things. And so here's why this matters. Here's why I share all that with you. Because our hope in the future can give us peace in the present. We can trust in the fact that God is in control. Again, our hope in the future can give us peace in the present. When we know what's coming, it gives us peace in the present now. Let me ask you, have you ever been in the middle of something and the only thing that gets you through it is envisioning the end result? Uh, one time I decided to run a half marathon and I wasn't really a runner. And so I didn't finish the training, which by the way is a bad idea. And um, I was doing really well throughout the half marathon, but then those last two or three miles, um, my feet really started to hurt. And I don't know if I had the wrong shoes, but I, I really felt like my feet were gonna fall off. And as I'm running, like trying to get my body to keep going, I'm thinking, is a foot transplant like a thing that exists? Because I think I might need one when this is over. But the whole time to kind of like push myself through, I keep envisioning, like thinking about the finish line. Like it's going to be awesome. People will be celebrating and it's going to be donuts and it's going to be amazing. And <laughs> but so when we think about the end in mind, it can change the process we go through. Another example, back to my wife, Chelsea, she's honestly... She's pretty nervous and scared about giving birth. Um, but for her, knowing the outcome, it changes her perspective. I mean, regardless, it's going to be a very difficult thing for her and it'll be painful. But it gives her extra courage knowing how amazing the end result will be when she gets to hold our newborn son for the very first time. Again, knowing the end result, it can change the process. And so, our hope in the future that one day God will restore everything to how it should be, it, it changes our present. It gives us peace for the present. We can trust God because he is in total and complete control. And then the last, uh, the last aspect of shalom is the idea of being settled and secure and resting in Christ. If you're a college student, you might uh, be experiencing the, the idea of coming home and taking a break, and, and you know that it's a restful thing to be able and to come at home and uh, maybe get some good food while you're here. But the idea is when we're fulfilled in Christ, when we're made whole in him, and when we know what our future is, then it leads us to a place where we can trust God 
and where we can have peace really in every area of our lives, every single corner of it. And it's because we can trust that he knows what he's doing. We know that God is good, and we can trust that he knows what he's doing. In Philippians 4, Paul, he talks about um, when you're facing anxiety or when you're worrying, and he, he tells us that we can pray, we can ask God, and that God will give us a peace that transcends our understanding. It's the kind of peace that we can't really even put into words. Um, it's the kind of peace that we can experience, though, regardless of the circumstances that we're facing. A couple months ago, I, I came across a story of this guy named Horatio Spafford. Pretty cool name. Uh, in the 1800, he lived in the 1800s, and he invested uh, in real estate. And so in 1871, the great Chicago fire happened, and every, all of the real estate he had invested in burned down, including his own home. And so he didn't have insurance, so their family lost just about everything that they had. Uh, just a year before the fire, uh, Horatio's only son died of scarlet fever. And right after the fire, he decided to send his wife and his four daughters over to England while he stayed back in Chicago to, to kind of salvage his business and get things restarted. And then he heard word from his wife a couple days after they left that the boat they were on actually wrecked and his wife was the only survivor from their family. All four of their daughters had drowned. And so Horatio, he, he boarded a ship and decided to go over to England to, to be with his wife and to sort things out. And, and this is what gets me. As he, as he passed over the spot in the ocean where his four daughters had just drowned, and in spite of everything else that just happened, it was right there that he decided to write these words that would eventually become a very famous hymn that maybe you've heard before. He wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou, God, has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And so he's saying when things are going perfect, when they're great, or when they're going terrible, regardless of what happens, God has taught me to say it is well in my soul, meaning there is a deep sense of peace in the deepest part of him. And when you hear a story like that, I mean, you just have to ask, like, how could someone have that kind of peace? How could that be his response after all the, the tragic things that happened to him. But for him, he knew a, a kind of peace that it went beyond circumstances, even the most horrible and the unimaginable circumstances for him. And it's not that he wasn't heartbroken. And we know the Bible, it never promises that um, it'll just fix everything or that God will just make everything go away. But in our pain, in your pain, there can be a deeper sense of peace that rises above even the most horrible circumstances, a sense of peace that can sustain you through. And so no matter, you know, what you're going through, the, the good or the bad, this is the kind of peace that, that God offers to each of us. It's real and it's available to each of us, and it's something that we can only get through Jesus Christ. And so that's a, that's a picture of what shalom is. It's the kind of peace that you get from knowing you're totally accepted by God. 
the kind of peace you get from knowing beyond a doubt that uh, knowing where you'll spend eternity when you take your last breath on earth. And it's the kind of peace that even when you can't see the big picture, you know that there is a big picture and that God is in control of it. And so maybe in your circumstances right now, peace seems like something that's impossible. It's way far away for you. Or again, maybe you're on the other side and you'd say, you know, my life is going pretty well right now. Either way, either way, it's worth us asking ourselves the question, is it possible that there is a deeper sense of lasting peace that I'm missing out on, that I'm not experiencing? Every year we, we read the Christmas story and we talk about the nativity scene and we talk about the characters and the events, but really the most important thing that we can ask ourselves during this time of year is, is what does this story mean to me? What does the story of Christmas actually mean to me? Is it just a, a nice story that we hear? Is it a traditional story? Or is it an event that changed the world? Is it an event that can change people like you and me? I know for many in this room, you would say you believe it is more than a story, and you believe it is an event, and I would encourage you as you celebrate Christmas this year, tonight and, and tomorrow morning, I'd encourage you to celebrate and reflect on the true, the lasting, the meaningful peace, the shalom that, that God offers to us. And if there's an area in your life where you're not experiencing peace, I'd, I'd encourage you to talk to God about it. He wants you to talk to him about it. And then if you're here tonight and you've never experienced this kind of peace um, that I've been talking about, I'd invite you to make this Christmas, maybe the first Christmas for you, where you really seek God. Ask him about this peace that he offers. And for you, maybe it could just be simply praying. Uh, maybe you've never prayed before, prayed before, but you could pray to God. I know for me, that's kind of how it started was, I never prayed, but I decided to go ahead and try it. And I just want to say, like, really, you have nothing to lose. Like, nothing bad will happen from seeking God out and seeing if he's there. God, he offers this peace and a whole lot more to every single one of us. And I promise that if you respond to him, it's something you definitely will never regret. And so for all of us, I just want to say, don't let the Christmas story this year just be a story. And so let's, let's pray together and go to God. God, thank you for, for who you are, for how, I mean, amazing you are. You're creator of all things. You are patient and loving and kind and merciful and, and grace, graceful towards us, Lord. Um, yeah, God, you're amazing. And thank you for who we can be in you the peace that you offer us, the acceptance, the, how you adopt us into your family when we put our faith in you. So, Lord, I, I pray for, for all of us in this room, Lord, that, yeah, the story of Christmas, it wouldn't be just a story. That that baby who came in a manger, um, he was the Savior. And when we put our faith in him, it can change everything for us. So, God, we, uh, we love you and we pray this in your son's name. Amen.